0: At a recent in a recent blog that I was reading, it said the greatest crime in the desert is to find water and tell no one. It is essential that the people of God share the good news that we've all tasted of. Um, I'm. Pastor Keith Nash, and I'm part of the staff here, and it's my responsibility to share the Word of God. It's my joy to share the Word of God this morning. I just want to make a a note, a personal note, that you now that Pastor Mark is on sabbatical, I want to commend the Linwood Church for uh, arranging for this sabbatical for Mark. I, I pastored for 44 years um, in three different churches, and um, on those during those years of ministry, there was there was a, a sort of an intangible pressure that falls to a pastor of a local church. Obviously, pastors are on 24 seven. That just is part of the part of the work, part of the uh, calling. And over the years that that I was in a in a local church pastoral ministry, uh, we were given two sabbaticals, and uh, each time we did a reset for ministry. Uh, each of those, there was a, a a portion of that that I simply got alone. Left, my, left my wife and and family, and got into a, a private setting, and for two weeks was cut off basically from all distractions, so that I could my my soul could sort of settle and get quiet without any of the of the noise of urgent calls, urgent activity. And then I listened for God to speak. Now, God speaks to us in the midst of busy activities. There's no question about that. But there's something healing and restorative about being quiet in the presence of God. And not, with undivided attention, you could focus it on that. Um, the Scriptures say in Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the, this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. There is a spiritual component to pastoral ministry that's that intangible, but it is a pressure that over time can become, um, just take the edge off. And I commend this church. We ought not to see, view this sabbatical as a reward for ministry or as a perk for ministry. We need to see it rather as an investment for the future. And you, you and I are investing for the long haul and because we want Pastor Mark to be tuned in keenly to the Lord. And in these days, that's more important, more urgent than ever, with so many distractions, so many things pressing in uh, that could easily distract a pastor. So, I want to just offer a prayer for the Sundstroms, and particularly Pastor Mark, uh, as he's starting this sabbatical these two months away. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for the Shepherd that you have given us, the lead shepherd here. We're grateful, Lord, for his life and and model and leadership and his family. We pray that you will bless as they are away. I pray that you will renew Pastor Mark's passion, love, and devotion to you. And may there be a, a keenness to his hearing your your voice, your ministry to his heart, that will bring a freshness to his ministry in the years to come. Bless them now, just now, today, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, this series that I that we're launched into now is suppo- is supposed to be life verses, and I'm I'm going to be preaching. In a, in a few weeks, and I'm going to preach then on the one verse that's been my life verse. Today, I'm going to focus in on on a, a life passage for ministry and living that's been dear to my heart, and it's in 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4, and it picks up on this idea that we ought to—we have a treasure— that we dare not keep to ourselves. Someone else has said, sharing the gospel is nothing more than simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And that's that's it, that's it. Finding water in the desert and sharing it to the people around us. This, This is a day of great human desperation and there are people who are thirsty thirsty, and they don't even know what they're looking for. It's the water of life. So, today we're going to focus on three things. The message that we're called to give, that'll transform, the fo- the, the central message, and secondly, the source of our living as a Christian and, and living in ministry, the source or the power that we live by, and third, the objective, the objective of it all. Those three things we're going to cover. First, let's look at the passage together. Second Corinthians chapter f- uh, 4, beginning at verse 1, and I'm just going to read the 12 verses and then we're going to just pick out those four things, or those three things that, that we want to see this in, in here and we think are right there. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word. Notice God's Word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God." darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not in but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. The message that we are called to give That transforms people, that is life-changing, is nothing other than the Word, the living Word. Christ is the living Word. This book is the written Word, and they are closely associated. They're both revelations of God. They're both a revelation of what God wants us to know about Himself and about life for us. Christ the word i believe they're both really two sides of the same coin but that's our message the the passage here talks about it as as God's word about the truth the gospel jesus christ it's it's really they're really synonyms of the same thing you see folks the easiest thing in the world for a church to do or for an individual to do is to drift to other things and to drift off the, the main thing. Today, as never before, we need to focus in on our message. The Bible says that in the last days, the church will be drawn aside and be distracted to other things. And I think we're living in that day. You see, it's not skill. It's not relationships that's going to change people. It's not finesse, it's not our cleverness. Those things God uses all those things. God uses gifted people to speak his message. God uses relationships and God uses uh, uh, all kinds of of gifts and abilities. But those aren't the main thing. Those are not the thing that God has ordained is the, the means to transform. That's reserved for the message. The message, Jesus Christ, as revealed in the Word, and Jesus Christ, the person. We need to stay focused on our message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that, rep, that message has content to it. It is a message of Jesus Christ came from heaven, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, was, was taken before Pontius Pilate, died on the cross for the sins of the world, for yours and mine, so that we could be redeemed. That's the message that's transformative. And we need to, folks, the church has to stay focused on that You and I, as individuals, need to be centered on the gospel. We need to be gospel people, good news people. That's our message. We dare never stray from that. But what's our source? What's our source? Well, it's there in verse seven. It's it's implied or indicated there. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What's the treasure? It's just what we were talking about, the message, the gospel. It is Christ living in us in jars of clay. <laughs> That's you and me. Kind of common, ordinary, not valuable, just clay jars, clay pots, to show that the all-surpassing power belongs to God. God is our source. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. When we invite Jesus into our hearts, guess what? The Holy Spirit, that's the Spirit of Jesus, takes up residence within us. We have this treasure within us, us jars of clay. And the source of the power is God, the Holy Spirit. That's our means of power. That's why you and I need to recognize it's it's, it's not us that accomplishes it. That's why, that's why a passage in, in Colossians that's meant so much to me over the years. Colossians 1. You see, you see the, this treasure is God himself. And he's incredible. He's incredible. We talked about God made the heaven. We sang about it. About the heaven, he made the heavens and the earth, he made everything that is. God is incredibly glorious, and it will take us eternity to begin to discover all of that. And we will never plumb the depths of of the greatness of God. There's mystery, there's wonder attached to that. But you know what? In Colossians 1, and 27, uh, it says it talks about this mystery, the mystery of God, God's glorious wonder, and it says this mystery is hidden for ages and generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Hope of glory. Coming back to our passage in Second Corinthians 4, it's Christ in us. That's the wonder of the gospel. And then a little later in chapter 2 of Colossians, chapter, verse 6, it says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, as you receive him into your life by faith, an act of trusting him, he comes into our hearts, so live in Him, so walk in Him. You see, when we when we become believers in Jesus, that's an act, it's a gift of God. But that doesn't mean then once we become a believer, that then we suddenly go back to these rules, even if they're rules coming right out of the scripture, even if there's a pile of declarations from the Scriptures, you don't pile those on and say, All right, now I've got to do this, 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 and this. No, we live this Christian life the same way we become a child of God. We become a child of God by faith. We live this life with Christ living within us, and we live it effectively and gloriously by day by day trusting Jesus and relying on him. We have this treasure in jars of clay. It's not us. Think about it for a moment. God is not on the hunt for superstars. And I think it's wonderful we've got interns uh, coming to Linwood Church and uh, being a part of our congregation. But particularly for them but all of us we need to be reminded god is not on the hunt for superstars think about it for a moment greatest work in all the world the greatest ministry in in history was when the lord launched the gospel and the church was was birthed and then he wanted to, that message needed to be sent around the world and the church needed to be established Who did he leave that work to? He left it to the apostles, those eleven very ordinary men. None of them were gifted orators, none of them were gifted uh, theologians, none of them were incredible uh, thinkers. Most all of them were just ordinary laboring people, fishermen, common workers. And the Lord left the most important work in history to those guys. I think God delights in doing His greatest work through very ordinary, common folks. I even read—I just read recently in my devotions that God wanted needed to get a message out once, and you know who, what He used? used a dumb donkey. And so that gives me hope as a pastor, as a preacher. <laughs> he, he, if he can speak his message through a donkey, he can speak through me. You know? So, think about it. God, I think, in fact, f- looks for the incapable ones. And today, you know, as a pastor, you hear, eh, you know, part of pastoring is 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 recruiting volunteers, and that's always what pastors keep doing. And and over and over, and every pastor's heard somebody, uh, people say, well, I don't feel like I'm up to that. I'm not capable for doing that. That's, I'm not, I'm not qualified for that. You'll, you need to find somebody else. You know what? If you've ever thought that or said that, You're just the kind of person the Lord likes to choose. You see why? Do you see it in the passage, verse 7? We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. Think about it. If God wants to do something remarkable, if he takes somebody that's clearly not qualified and does the work through them. Everybody watching, looking on, says, well, that guy sure didn't. That didn't get accomplished through him. It must be God. And the glory goes to God. And that's what God's looking for. So, you see, when someone Feels like their their capability or their uh, uh, qualifications are puny, you're just the kind of person that God likes to get a hold of and who will… He says, if you'll trust me, you just stand by and watch what I'll do through that. Then God gets the glory. So, God is our source, The Holy Spirit, the power of God within, is our source for all living as a believer and is for all ministry. And then, the goal or the object of our faith, of our life of faith, and it's there in verse 6, it talks about the glory of God. The goal or objective of our living as Christians and our ministry is, It's the glory of God. Christ didn't die on the cross. Now, I want to to say something here. Christ didn't die on the cross because you and I were so valuable to Him. Now, hear me out. He did die on the cross to redeem us. But I've heard it said over and over, you know... The Lord just didn't want to spend eternity without us, so he was, he was just wanted to have a relationship with us, so we're so valuable, that's why He died on the cross. There is truth in that statement, but that's not the primary motive for dying, Jesus dying on the cross, because God Almighty could have simply by declaration have said, I will forgive any who will look to me. He didn't have to have his, the second person of the Trinity die on the cross. But do you know why God ordained that the second person of the Trinity die a criminal's death? It was to preserve the glory of God. Because the most valuable treasure in the universe is the glory or the radiant majesty and character of God, His holiness, His righteousness. That is the greatest treasure in the universe. And that's what God, why God sent the second person of the Trinity to die on the cross, to preserve that glory. Because in order for the God of holy righteousness to redeem sinners, sinful people like you and me, and still be righteous and holy and just, an infinite price had to be paid to take seriously the infinite seriousness or offense of sin. And so God... The Son died primarily to preserve the righteous glory of God. And we are saved in the process. You see, otherwise, we begin to get puffed up and it feeds our carnal pride. I'm so valuable. You know, And as a matter of fact, in the Scriptures, it says in the Scriptures, um, why did Jesus? Why did the Lord choose you? Why did the Lord rescue you? Why did you become a part of his family in Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8? He was talking to the people of Israel. He said, you know what? God didn't choose you because you're more, more in a bigger crowd, a bigger nation than other nations. He didn't choose you because you're more powerful. He didn't choose you because you were more gifted. As a matter of fact, he says, the Lord chose you. Because he, he, he simply loves you. It's because He loved you. That's not, there's no explanation other than it's in the heart of God to love us. And that's wonderful. That doesn't mean God loves us less because God didn't die for us. It actually means He loves us more. Because now His love for us doesn't depend upon our our imperfect ability to keep meriting that love we don 't keep meriting it, we don 't keep deserving it. He loves us because he loves us that 's why I love what it says in um, what I read once in, the, in uh, years ago in a preacher 's magazine we can 't do anything to make God love us more then again, we can't do anything to make God love us any less. So, I'm wrapping this up. Our message and our power, source for ministry, and our goal and objective in ministry, in life, all circles around the person of Jesus Christ. He's our message. That gospel message is what will transform hearts and lives. He indwelling us is our source of power, and we dare never forget that. And the goal is the glory of God revealed most clearly in the face of Jesus. And so you and I are ambassadors for Christ, all of us. And so we need to make much of that, magnify God. And some, sometimes we think, well, to magnify it's it's sort of like making a big deal about God and try to help make this little little seemingly insignificant thing important to people. No. You see, there's, there's two ways to magnify something. There's two instruments that are used. There's, there's a microscope and there's a telescope. See, a microscope makes a little tiny, tiny things really look big. That's not what we're called to do to magnify the Lord. It's there's a telescope in which a telescope focuses on something that's way off in the distance, way a long ways away, but is massively large, huge, but it's so far away it seems small. And so a, a, a telescope brings those massive things up close. And that's what we're called to do, folks. We need to make a big deal because the glory of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is massively important and big in this universe and in this scheme of, of, of things. And all we need to do is just bring it up close to people. Bring Jesus up close to people. That's what we're called to do. That's our life mission. Let's do it. Let's do it. I want to pray with you. Lord Jesus, I pray, I, I pray for the glory of God to be seen in every child of God here in this place called Linwood Wesleyan Church. And I pray, O oh Father, that you will work in every heart and life to help us to glory in your greatness and who you are. And live out the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.